plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are locked on Titans. Your daily podcast on the Tennessee Titans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to Locked On Titans, your daily source for all Titans news with your host, Terry McCormick of Titan Insider, Greg Arias, and former Tennessee Titan Pro Bowl left tackle, Brad Hopkins. It's Tuesday. We've got our current news segment coming up. And, of course, every Tuesday we go four downs and a lot of interesting things today in those four downs, Terry McCormick. But let's start with the current news. And, of course, that t- means Bobby April, the firing of the special teams coach yesterday announced by the Tennessee Titans after his special teams unit gave up basically 10 points in the loss to Houston on Sunday. Yeah, uh, Coach Mike Malarkey said yesterday that he just was not seeing the progress that he needed to see as a special teams unit. Uh, in explaining April's firings, he's, firing, he said that uh, – they didn't look markedly better than they had been the previous couple of years, and uh, that certainly was evident uh, on Sunday when they had this 12-men-on-the-field penalty during the punt return that allowed the, the Texans to put their field goal unit back on the field and get three points. And then also late in the game, the low-line drive punt from Brett Kern and the Titans unable to uh, cover on special teams, and he goes virtually untouched into the end zone for what proved to be the game-winning touchdown. So Bobby April out and Steve Kaufman in as the Titans' new special teams coach. And obviously we'll delve into those two, um, April's firing and Hoffman's hiring in uh, two of the four downs today. We'll give you a preview of what that's going to be. But other current news for today, Antoine Woods, the defensive tackle that nose tackle that uh, most everyone yourself and I Terry included thought to had a real shot at making the roster in training camp uh, did make the practice squad but he was released last week in favor of wide receiver Jordan Leslie who came in spent one week on the practice squad he's now gone Antoine Woods returns to the practice squad for the Titans Right. I think this was a move made basically precipitated by Al Woods' injury. Uh, Al Woods is going to be out three or four weeks uh, at least with a calf injury and uh, that was sustained in Sunday's game. So Angelo Blackson is going to move over, take over the nose duties. Uh, Austin Johnson, who's been inactive for three of the four games thus far this year, will be active over the next few weeks. And they needed another body on that defensive line to help out in practice uh, to run, be on the scout team, and so Antoine Woods is back, and Jordan Leslie is out. Some injury updates, of course. There are three players you mentioned, Al Woods and his injury. Also, Denora Searcy missed last week because of an injury, as well as Cody Riggs. Updates on those three gentlemen. Well, it looks like, as I mentioned earlier, Al Woods is going to be out possibly up to a month. And then with the other two guys, uh, the news is a little bit better. Uh, Denoris Searcy, who had a high ankle sprain and was in a walking boot last week, uh, was out of the boot uh, yesterday. Looks like uh, he won't practice on Wednesday, but the Titans are hopeful that he might get on the practice field uh, sometime before this week is up. And same thing with Cody Riggs and his hamstring injury. 
He probably won't practice on Wednesday, but the Titans are confident that he might be able to practice sometime before this week is is over. And uh, so there is a at least a reasonable chance that one or both of those guys might be active this week. And if the and if not, they probably would be back by the next game against the Cleveland Browns. Now, Cody Riggs was an interesting name because a lot of people uh, speculated that he might have been the gunner on that punt return touchdown for Houston had he have been active in place of Valentino Bryant, who got washed to the inside, obviously gave up the edge there to Will Fuller. So that is a an addition returning if Riggs can come back on the special teams where he does most of his work. Yeah, Riggs is one of their better special teams players. I think that's where he made his mark. Uh, with this team uh, in his first uh, season last year, came back, made the roster again this year. Now he was released uh, for one week when they needed a roster spot uh, elsewhere uh, once they had claimed Josh Klein. But uh, Riggs quickly brought back to the active roster. He's been one of their core special teams guys around here now for a couple of seasons. And I think uh, him not being available to them on Sunday uh, kind of reared its ugly head because, as you mentioned, Valentino Blake got pushed to the inside as he was going down trying to cover the punt, and it opened up the lane for Will Fuller to take it to the end zone. And certainly having perhaps Denora Searcy back as well on the active roster, injury-free, uh, will be a bonus going into this next stretch of games, which we'll cover that in one of our down segments as well. But the Titans need all hands on deck. This is a team that really can't, stand to have the amount of injuries that they've had so far this year. And you mentioned Riggs' hamstring. There's another one of those. There have been far too many hamstrings this year, haven't there? Yeah, that seems to be the uh, injury bug that uh, is going to bite this year is the hamstring injury. And, you know, he's about the fourth guy that's had a hamstring injury. And the good news is that, uh, you know, guys like uh, Delaney Walker, Derek Morgan, and finally Kendall Wright have all come back and are back on back and playing now. But uh, Riggs uh, out with that hamstring injury last week, and it remains to be seen if he's going to be able to go this week. I know we've talked about it here on, on this podcast, but have has it been addressed by the Titans and by Mike Malarkey specifically about why they feel like there's been so many of these hamstring injuries this year? I know I haven't heard anything from him on that subject. No, it's not, not anything that's been broached yet, uh, you know, in terms of why there's been so many hamstring injuries. I think, you know, maybe that's something that can be brought up this week, but obviously it has been an issue. I think, you know, a lot of it is probably just coincidence because last year there were, you know, MCL sprains that three or four different players suffered and cost them time, uh, including, you know, Marcus Mariota with two different MCL sprains last year. So I think sometimes it's just the way it runs. You get a rash of injuries and it all is either at one position or it's all one type of injury that seems to happen. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deal on every ticket in the house, whether wherever you want to sit, whether it's the 50-yard line, club seats, or even in the upper level. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. Yes, I really do. And it's by far the easiest way I've found to sell and shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek's prices compare for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices may vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest prices available. 
and SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You immediately see any up underpriced seats and be able to find the best deal that fits your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. Best of all, our listeners get $20 in rebates off their SeatGeek purchase. Yes, $20 in rebates, rebates just by purchasing from SeatGeek. What do you have to do? To get your $20 rebate ticket, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOTITANS. That's LOTITANS for Locked on Titans. Enter the SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo LOTITANS today. Terry, it's time for our first down. And on first down, we want to look a little bit deeper, obviously, into the firing of Bobby April. And I've got a, a question to pose to you, and it's kind of a four-parter here. Is Bobby April being kind of made a scapegoat, potentially? Is this a panic move? Is it an indication of something perhaps deeper that's wrong with this team? Or was it the right move to make? Well, I think it was probably a scapegoat move of uh, those four options there. I do think that, you know, the Titans special teams has been a sore spot on this franchise for a number of years. And, you know, certainly not all of that is Bobby April's fault that it existed long before he got here. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Steve Kaufman or Steve Hoffman can eradicate that and uh, get, uh, you know, get the Titans special teams units back to playing better and, you know, certainly more penalty-free football. But, uh, you know, I think what happened with Bobby April was that, uh, you know, it's the old Houston thing. Last year, they went down to Houston. Ken Wisenhunt was the head coach. He he was not uh, max protecting to help Zach Mettenberger out. Mettenberger was sacked seven times, and the Titans were embarrassed. And owner Amy Adams Strunk put her foot down. Wisenhunt was fired two days later. This year, special teams unit cost the Titans 10 points, essentially cost them the football game down in Houston, and Bobby April is shown the door. So I think, you know, some of it, you know, may be a little bit reactionary. Some of it may be, I don't know, maybe it's just coincidence that it's happened in Houston both years, but it seems like that uh, in regards to, to where this team is, you, you know, those things seem to be magnified when they go down to play the Texas and Bobby April paid the price for it on uh, Monday. Well, now this is, as you said, been something that has been wrong with the Titans for several years. It's not just something that occurred this season under Bobby April. The Titans really have had issues with special teams in a lot of areas, maybe not the same one every week, but it seems like it's been kind of consistent over the last two or three seasons where they've had a breakdown in, in uh, coverage at some point in time. Had uh, Obviously, Brett Kern got the punt blocked, uh, fortunately got bailed out on that, and actually I thought he was injured. Uh, when that happened, so that was good news that he he wasn't injured. But these things have kind of been going on, and certainly the return game has been anemic for the Titans, especially in the last two-plus uh, seasons, the last two years prior to this year. And even this year, even with the return of Mark Mariani to take over that role, they're still not getting a lot out of the return units. No, they're not. And I think, you know, some of that is the fact that, you know, the league is, you know, kind of taking returns, especially kickoff returns, out of the equation in large part, you know, by 
having more touchbacks and they're trying to have less injuries on kickoffs and kickoff returns, things, things of that nature. But you're right, Titans special teams unit have, have been, you know, subpar for a number of years. And I think when, uh, when you look at it, you know, Bobby April was brought in here and he was charged with fixing that. And when Mike Malarkey didn't see any improvement uh, in his estimation, then he decided to make the change. You know, he said that the decision was made by him and him alone. We don't know if ownership or John Robinson had any input into, you know, this decision being made. My guess is they were probably consulted when they were told, you know, when Malarkey told them of what his, what his intentions were. Now, I mentioned this in the opening. The question, was this the right move? Well, I think it's a shakeup move. You know, it can be the right move. I think, you know, if Hoffman gets these guys to play better, and a lot of times, you know, it's kind of like uh, in anytime you have a coach firing in the middle of the year, there's a short-term uh, effect of it. You know, you can't fire 53 players, so you fire a coach, you know, to try and send the message that, hey, things have to get better. So I think maybe that's what Malarkey was, in part, was trying to do there. And so maybe the players are now kind of on notice to say, hey, we better get this done, or if we don't don't get this straightened out, you know, we may be out of here by the end of the year. Moving on to second down, what can you tell us about Steve Hoffman, who takes over as the special teams coach? Well, Steve uh, Hoffman has was with the Kansas City Chiefs before coming to the Titans in 2013. So he's been here for several years. Uh, he was uh, Mike Malarkey worked with him. He said in Miami prior, and when they were both assistants on the staff there. And uh, he's a guy who was, has been a special teams uh, coordinator with the uh, Chiefs and with the Raiders. So he has experience. Most of his experience is working with kickers. So, you know, Ryan Suckup and Brett Kern both spoke very highly of him. And uh, they believe that he knows what to do, that he can come in and help get this unit straightened out and uh, maybe, you know, help them in some areas that are glaring weaknesses. I think most notably the punt return and the kickoff return unit probably the weakest areas of this group, although it was the punt coverage unit that certainly let things down in Sunday's ballgame. Moving on to third down, we want to talk about Marcus Mariota and some interesting stats that we've uncovered, Terry, and it has to do with his performance from under center or in the shotgun so far this season. And here are the numbers. When Marcus has been in the shotgun, he is completing 63.3% of his pass attempts, three touchdowns, one interception, his quarterback rating 90.9. Wow, that's not bad. You know, I think it shows that, uh, you know, just what we think about Marcus Mariota is that he's most comfortable in three receiver sets and shotgun, uh, spreading the field, being able to run and have a roll out and throw the ball on the move. I think, you know, that's probably his comfort zone dating back even to his college days at Oregon, you know, and the Titans uh, have not done as much of that this year. And I think they've been a lot of times at their best. And you saw in the fourth quarter of the Detroit game, uh, you know, when he was able to go no huddle, get in the shotgun, and kind of opt that two-minute offense. Conversely, under center, he's completing 53.6% of his passes, 
only one touchdown, four interceptions, his quarterback rating of 50.7. You mentioned the three wide receiver sets. Here's some interesting numbers on that. With three or more wide receivers on the field, he's completing 63.9% of his pass attempts, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 91.4 the QBR. With three or less, with less than three receivers, actually, he's completing just 56.8% of his pass attempts, two touchdowns, five interceptions, the QBR of 61.4. So the numbers bear out what you said. He is much more comfortable in the shotgun with three, four, five wide receivers even, or tight ends, guys that can go out into the pass pattern and give him an option where to throw the football. Right. And then the problem with that, of course, is the more people that are out in the pass routes. If they're, you know, if there are three wide receivers plus Delaney Walker and maybe plus DeMarco Murray in the pass route, that's fewer people to block. And one of the things that the Titans have made a priority this year is the protection of Marcus Mariota to minimize the number of hits he's taking in the pocket from opposing defenders. So I think when you look at it, the Titans are going to have to do something to find a happy medium here between the pro-style, power-running, smash-mouth style that Mike Malarkey has instituted this offseason to try and protect Marcus Mariota versus the wide-open, freewheeling shotgun, you know, throw it all over the place, two-minute no-huddle type that Mariota thrived in when he was at the University of Oregon and demonstrated some last year as a rookie with the Titans. So I think what you, what you find, they got to find some sort of healthy mix there and try to get him comfortable again within the confines of the offense that they need to run. I'm going to give you an example or a correlation, I guess. Uh, last year, the Seattle Seahawks, they had a terrible offensive line, yet they went to more of this spread and Russell Wilson getting the ball out quicker, and all of a sudden this offense took off. Basically what they did was not have Wilson hold the football. It's a predetermined read. He looks and goes, okay, this is where I'm going. Whoop, throws the football out there, moves it quickly, slows down the pass rush. They limited the number of hits. I think that's something that the Titans should look at doing a little bit more of at times. You've obviously still got to go with the smash mouth because you've got those two great running backs that you can use to do that, but I think they need to incorporate a little bit more of what we saw Seattle do last year to make Marcus more comfortable in passing situations as well. I agree. I think they've got to find some sort of healthy mix there between you know what Malarkey wants to do with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry and running the football versus what Mariota is best at, which is in the shotgun and the no-hole rolling out and throwing the football on the move. Moving on, it's time for fourth down. Turnaround time for the Titans, Terry, coming up over the next five weeks. They play 11, or they play uh, three games, rather, in the next 11 days. They'll play, uh, well, from Sunday, I should say. They'll play Sunday in Miami. They come home the following Sunday to play Cleveland. And then on the next Thursday night, home versus Jacksonville, plus two more games. There are five winnable games coming up for the Titans in the next five games, and they have got to make some hay with this portion of the schedule if they're truly going to be a turnaround team. They can't go 1-4 or 0-5 and expect this season to turn into anything, can they? Right. They can't even go 2-3, and three, really. They're going to have to win at least three of these five, and, and preferably, you know, for their sake, they need to win at least four of these five. Because, you know, here's the thing. You're looking at a Titans team that's 1-3, and three, and they, you know, are claiming that they're improved, and I think they have improved uh, in certain aspects because they're now more competitive. They're, you know, in a lot more ball games. You know, they're not being blown out 38-10 uh, as they were a lot of times over the last couple of years. 
But I think when you when you look at you know the schedule now, the, the five teams that they play, which is Miami, Cleveland, the Colts, Jacksonville, and San Diego. The, those five teams have a combined record of four and sixteen. So that's where you should be able to uh, make make some hay, so to speak. You should be able to you know win some of those games. Three of those five are at home. You should be able to do some things that maybe. Uh, to get yourself back into the AFC South race, maybe even back into the wild card race. But uh, it starts with trying to, with putting together a streak. This is a team that hasn't won two in a row uh, in over two years. So they're going to have to put together some sort of winning streak. Now, the problem with that is, you know, yes, you're playing all these bad teams, but these teams, you know, that are one and three, and in Brown's case, 0 and four, they're probably looking at the Titans the same way the Titans are looking at them, that it's a winnable game on their schedule. So the Titans can't just say, oh, we're at home against the Browns. We're going to win this game. It doesn't work that way. They're going to have to make the concerted effort, cut down on the mistakes, and go out and put together a win streak of sorts over these next five weeks if they want to have any hopes of being better in 2016 rather than having the season go as it did you know, the last couple of years and then win you know, somewhere between three and five games. Yeah, we saw that a couple of years ago. Cleveland came in as a bad football team, and the Titans weren't able to get a win at home versus that same Cleveland team. And, of course, uh, last year up in Cleveland weren't able to get a win versus the Browns, who were a bad football team. So that's certainly point well taken on that. It's time for our final thoughts. Terry, go ahead and take it away with your final thought on the day. Well, I'm going to go back to you know some of what we talked about with Marcus Mariota. I think you know it's time for the Titans, you know, take the reins off of him, to unbridle him just a little bit, because this is a guy that, uh, you know, has the potential, has the ability to be, you know, a playmaking quarterback. But along that same vein, you know, there have been mistakes. You know, he's made interceptions. I think some of it is because he's being too hesitant, too robotic, trying too hard not to uh, make a mistake, not to, uh, you know, be in a situation where, you know, he's having to think too much or having to, you know, and not just react and play. They need to let him relax, react and play, take some of the reins off of him and let him go. My final thought on the day, huge week coming up. This is a must win for this Titans football team. Again, we talked about it just a moment ago. Obviously, these next five games are all winnable, but it starts on Sunday. You have to go and get that. If you get that first one, then, as Terry said, it's been a while since they've had two in a row. You come back home, you get a Cleveland team the next week that is a winnable ball game. You get a win at home, which we've talked about on this show. The Titans need to do for their fan base, get a win at home. That means you've got a two-game win streak. Now you're 3-3, three and three, your record's at 500, and you can look to take the next three games of the schedule of those five weeks versus the Colts and San Diego and try to build on that win streak going forward. But it's imperative you go to Miami and get the win this week. That's going to do it for us here, Locked on Titans. It's been another great show. Brad will rejoin us on Wednesday. And until then, we'll see you next time, Locked on Titans. On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.